string of southpaws. The run continues on Ingle Radio, the podcast. Welcome to the show, everybody. I'm Darren Millard, along with the co-founders of Ingle Magazine, David Hutchison and Kevin Woodley. Today, we are going to have our feature interview chatting with Charlie Lindgren, a Montreal Canadian. He's played 18 games in the National Hockey League over a few years, uh, coming out of the three-year run at St. Cloud State. And uh, Charlie is going to take us uh, through what he's doing during the pause as well as uh, some of his training exercises and uh, what he goes through uh, during the course of a, a professional game, like timeouts and uh, his relationship with Carey Price. A whole lot to get to in this uh, conversation with Charlie Lindgren and David Hutchison as we bring in the fellas and uh, say hello. And uh, I gave you an assignment last week, Woody and Hutch, and it was uh, oh, how many weeks or how many days, how, many, uh, how much time would a National Hockey League goaltenders require to feel like they were settled in uh, after the pause to make sure that they were ready to go back to work. And, uh, well, I did the homework for us and, uh, Good. the bare minimum, the bare minimum guys is, uh, is goaltenders say they need two weeks, two weeks of, uh, two weeks of practice, not games, not exhibition simulated games or anything like that, but two weeks of practice to go from nothing to, uh, being ready to, uh, to play, play games. And that is the bare minimum. So, uh, Woody, let's start with you. Uh, that sound about right? I think there are probably guys I talk to that could do it faster just based on the work they're doing, even not being able to get on the ice. And then there are going to be guys who, based on the work they're not doing, are going to need that and maybe more. So um, without naming names, it really is interesting to see just the split um, between the work being done. At the end of the day, none of them can get on the ice. So you know, maybe it doesn't matter that one's doing more between the ears mental training or more juggling or more ball work or um, as long as they're more in tennis, shape. as we'll hear shortly. Another favorite, um, Henrik Lundqvist uses tennis in the offseason as well. Um, so so I, I am kind of curious to see where this all comes out. Uh, two weeks sounds fair. I'm just kind of be curious where they're going to get the two weeks with time being such a crunch, whether they'll... Mm-hmm. You know, as much as it may be a reality and a minimum for most of them, is it going to be realistic um, for the league? We obviously have no idea, but uh, fascinated to see how this all plays out, as I'm sure everyone is. We just want to see it. So, Hutch, here's uh, the difference uh, between one week, if people were wondering why they couldn't come back in one week and uh, why they would need the second week. And guys said they need the second week to get through the uh, soreness uh, stage where you come back and and your body breaks down a little bit and you got to recover from that process and then be in a place where you feel good again. Because after a week, everybody could play after a week, but their bodies are sore, they're tight, uh, they're, they're a little banged up, and uh, they just need that extra week to to get through that hump and, and feel solid again. I think physiologically what you're saying makes, yes. a, makes a whole lot of sense. Um Funny, Darren, I was having flashbacks to high school when you first said that we had homework this week, and I was wondering how <laughs> I was going to convince the teacher that I'd done my homework. <laughs> but at least you you laid one out there that's a little bit more in my wheelhouse with physiology. I would think that, uh, you know, not just recovering, but it's probably hard to handle the things that you really want to refine in that first week while you're getting your legs underneath you. Because just remember, uh, at the beginning of the season, when we're heading into training camp uh guys have been skating in the summer and right now guys are not skating so this is almost like depending on how long this goes 
this would almost be like opening up training camp at the beginning of August where guys haven't been on the ice in July and now you've got to be ready to go. Uh, so, so this is, I, I think, a very different adaptation. Or we're going back to the 60s to find out what training camp looked like because not much is going I on. I think it's closer to that. Yeah, you know, so it's very much uncharted territory if they're going to be turning around in a hurry. And uh, I don't know, maybe they need to hire a couple of beer leaguers or something because we're ready to get into game shape after one skate, aren't we? Groins, hamstrings yeah. Oh, yeah. Are, are, are going to be a, a very uh, watched part of the bodies. So I've got a question for Woody. Because you're very good at talking about goaltender X fitting team-wise particular style of play and and all these matchups. Uh, don't have to name names, of course. But do you believe that some guys will be better coming out of this pause than others uh, because of the way they play? Not because of their personal habits away from the rink, but just because of the way they play the game. I think there are probably guys and, you know, how much of it is style and just how much of it is between the ears, you know, is the confidence built in? Do they have to build their confidence through performance? Um, There are going to be guys that are better than others out of the gate. Uh, I think you look historically at how guys do early in a season to see if there are trends there. I don't have any names in front of me. I haven't done that research. Um, to see whether well, a guy Tuka you know, used to struggle early. Yeah, he's she's kind of sh- uh, shrugged that off a little bit lately. Lo- Luongo was the same way through much mm-hmm. of his career. October was a nightmare, right? Obviously, he doesn't have to yeah. worry about it now. But I think you look at that history and that track record, and I think you probably factor that in that that that's part of what they traditionally struggle with uh, in terms of what style might sort of struggle the most. You know, I think you know. The more you rely on, everybody relies on reads and rhythm and timing to various degrees, right? Like we all rely on it as a goaltender, that, that, that timing and that rhythm and feeling good. But I think certain styles, guys with more movement in their game, guys that play with a little more flow, I think Tuca would definitely fit this mold over the course of his career, although it's, it's evolved certainly, um, tend to be the ones. And the more you move, the more moving parts you have, the more you play with backwards flow, the more reliant you tend to be on that rhythm and timing element. I mean, um, and and then the tendency would be the longer it takes you to get comfortable with the feel and flow of a game. Is it an absolute? Does it apply to everyone? Are they all the same? No, of course not. Like that's what we love about the position. There are no absolutes. But I think there are probably trends within there where if you looked at the guys who start well and don't start well, you'd start to see some style similarities between the two groups. And the guys that play with a little more movement, a little more flow, um, are ones that I think traditionally have taken longer to get going. Yeah, that's uh, it's going to be a real issue uh, and interesting part of the game to watch whether or not uh, goaltenders can jump right back in. Uh, players will have uh, their own challenges. Skaters will have their own challenges. But uh, goaltenders trying to find that uh, that comfort level and uh, whether or not they get regular season games or, or not. Uh, there is a good chance uh, that we've seen the last of the regular season and the playoffs So will be what waits uh, for us on the other side of the pause. I'm not saying, saying that that's for sure. Uh, and the lines probably moved more towards playing some regular season games uh, than we saw a couple of weeks ago. But uh, if, if it is the case, um, who do you think is the, the like five, three, whatever you want to number we want to use uh, for Vesna Trophy candidates right now? Hutch, uh, let's start with you. 
and uh, and and give me a couple of names that that jump out to you for uh, for Vesna Trophy candidacy because to be fair, uh, we we we've played nine tenths of the season. Well, I'm obviously the perfect guy to talk to about this because my predictions at in goal over the years have uh, been wildly off. I have no hope of ever predicting this award. The closest I came was 365 days off when I think I predicted Pekka would win it a year before he did. But uh, otherwise, <laughs> um, please don't check the archives for who I said would win this year. Um, I, I, As we said before, I think Vasilevsky is the guy that will win because it's chosen by NHL general managers, uh, not by the analytics community, not by goaltending coaches, uh, not by Kevin Woodley, unfortunately. Um, so wins are paramount, wins are paramount. And he's also, you know, got the pedigree and he's got the style that, that, uh, that, that ability to make those, you know, highlight real game saving stops that stick in people's minds. So I think Vasilevsky, uh, I think Tuka also for pedigree, but is also having an outstanding season. Uh, definitely one of my favorites. Uh, but, but as we said, he's probably going to be, um, probably going to be out of the running, at least for the top spot because of workload. And for those that like to do comparisons, because, of course, his partner's having a good year as well. Woody, pop into the analytics, though. Well, Vasilevsky, you could be right. Like, I guess you could be right. He could win because he leads the league and wins. And Or I've cursed him. The general ma- Yeah, that could be it, the Hutch curse. And the general managers have trouble looking beyond that. Um, but, God, I hope they use this time. If this really is the end of the season. And we're just going to base it on what's happened to date. Please tell me more of them are taking the time to actually talk to their goalie coaches. I know some do. I know some have for years. At least sought out the opinion of their goalie coaches, most of whom these days have access to analytics that can measure and adjust shot quality um, before they make this decision, before they place this vote. This is not to discredit Andre Vasilevsky in the slightest. Last but year, here's the thing, though, Woody, is, is we're, we're six weeks since the last game. Uh, good. So, I, so, so you should lean on the math even more than you did before. Okay, yeah, you should. And then, then if you come back and play some regular season games, three or four, uh, then you're, there's the recency bias. I, I think that the voting this year is going to be wildly inconsistent. Yeah, it could be. And that might favor Vasilevsky because maybe they just look at wins even more than they do in the past. And again, Vasilevsky last year, the analytics, and I'm not talking the public analytics with all due respect to the people that put them together and chart them using NHL play-by-play because the, the, they're incredible. The, the talent, the brains behind some of those things, but they're working, in my opinion, with flawed and limited data. I'm talking about looking at stuff that that's contextualized, that includes things like screens and traffic and cross-ice passes. I'm talking about proprietary analytics, like ClearSight analytics, um, which is, I just happen to have a password right here. We've talked to uh, Stephen Valaket about it. Last year, Vasilevsky was quite deserving. In addition to all the numbers that GMs love, like wins and shutouts and all those things, and, and raw save percentage, he was actually the top goalie in the league in terms of goals, the amount of goals he actually prevented based on, you know, compared to expected based on all those measures of shot quality. The only guy close to him, incidentally, was Carey Price, who didn't even finish top three. This year, Vasilevsky is way down the list. Like adjusted save percentage, he's 28th in the league. Um, 
And the number one guy is Tuka Rask, who I'm with you, Hutch, would be deserving to be in this conversation, but probably gets not left out of it, but dropped out of the top spot because A, Yarrow Halak is also playing well, but B, the fact Yarrow Halak plays as much as he does limits the amount of workload, limits the wins for Tuka, but also limits his opportunity to save his team goals. Uh, behind him in second is Jacob Markstrom, and behind him in third in terms of save percentage above expected is Connor Hellebuck, who would be my winner. Because when we switch over to the actual goals they've saved their teams, Hellebuck's number one. 24 goals better than expected based on shot quality. Connor Hellebuck leads the NHL by a pretty good bit. Number two, and a guy who would be a finalist for me but won't be on anyone else's ballots, is Jacob Markstrom. Number three, Tuka Rask, who, who should and will be a finalist. To find Andre Vasilevsky, I got to go all the way down again to 28th in the National Hockey League. He should not be in this conversation this year. As much as he led it last year, they've been a better team in front of him defensively. Um, they weren't great overall in the, in the start of the season. He didn't pile up the wins. He's been on a heater in the second half. I'm sure if I scroll the tab over from January 1st, uh, Vasilevsky rockets up this list. But we're not talking about January 1st on. We're talking the entire season. And Connor Hellebuck's start to finish has been number one. Markstrom, until he got hurt, was up there right with him and is right below him now. To Karask. It's fascinating to look at this. Those are my top three right there. Hellebuck, Rask, Markstrom. The other guy, and guys who, this is where I love looking at this stuff. Like, the perception. You know who would be fourth based on this voting? And he's a guy that around the league, I think everybody goes, ah, he's a product of the system. The team's great defensively. They don't lean on their goaltenders as much. Jordan can, I, can I guess? Well, I gave it away, but go just for it. just heard it. <laughs> were you so, going to guess? You ask a question. Yeah, I, yeah, I was going to guess. And who'd you have? Uh, Anders Nielsen. <laughs> Actually, no. Um, no. Darn it. <laughs> I screwed it up. I'm sorry. I screwed it up. I, I started saying that. Jordan Bennington. Like, we talk about yeah. narratives. Um, you know, and, and Veselowski, again, wasn't a narrative last year. He was that good. This year, having him in that conversation is narrative-driven. It's based on past. It's based on history. It's based on we love the style. Jordan Bennington's a guy that people like just say, oh, like great defense. Look at that big, bad defense in St. Louis boxing out, making their life easier. Bennington saved 16.22 goals uh, above expected in the NHL this season. That is fourth behind only Hellebuck, Marksham, and Rass. So, But you um, can't go just on numbers. There's got There has to be a hybrid angle to to voting on a on the best goaltender so what numbers are we using like the gms use wins and that <laughs> that's less of a goalie statistic than this is true so no, but i, I mean I, between valiquette's uh data and then the the eye test uh there's there's got to be yeah but that's uh, a mix thing. of it all and, and i agree there and there will be and gms will go to like they'll use data just crappy data they'll go mm -hmm. back to wins that's what they always love I just mean to be realistic. There's going to be a, a reputation factor. There's going to be the the eye test. There's going to be the data. It's 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 quite often we've seen it historically. It's been a career achievement award, right? Like guys didn't win mm -hmm. it for years, and then oh, we better give this guy one. He had a good season, and he probably deserved to be in it. You know, in the running before. Um, so yeah, that stuff all counts. But I love when people say eye test because are you telling me that you're you've watched every goalie play every game and you can sort of in your mind's <laughs> eye figure out which one was the best like no. at the end of the day yeah. unless we can filter down and actually measure them 
based on things like shot quality, how the hell do you compare them? Or if you're, the goaltender was really good against your team for three or four games. Right, and that happens because that's, you know, again, general managers voting, right? Like, we, we could have guys... Okay, here's my, here's my one, two, three. I'm going to go Tuca, Hellebuck, and Vasilevsky. And Tuca wins, Hellebuck second, Vasilevsky is your uh, Vesna Trophy finalist. Those are your... Those are your three Vesna Trophy finalists with Tuca, Hellebuck, and Vasilevsky in that order. Give me your, so give me your three. Write them down. Hutch, has got write them down. Va- Hutch has got Vasilevsky. Did you go two, three, Hutch? Vasa, Tuca, and I would have said Hellebuck three. Okay. okay. Millard, you got Tuca. Tuca, Hellebuck, Hellebuck Vasilevsky. And I'm going Hellebuck, Tuca. Oh, now I got to do I stick to my guns and the GMs. Are yeah, good. see, there you see, go. GMs are like, we've done this at Ingle. Paul Campbell's written it up every year. Here's who so are, you, are you going Bennington or are you going to go here's, uh, Vasilevsky? Here's who should win the Vesna. Here's who the GMs will vote. And he's actually remarkably accurate in terms of picking who the GMs will vote because they're so transparent in their decision making. It's always around wins. So I would go Vasilevsky, not because I think he should win. No, who, do, who do you, who would you vote your top three? My three would actually be Hellebuck, Rask, and Markstrom. Okay. And Markstrom, won't, Markstrom won't even be no. in the top 10. No, that's just you being a contrarian, but uh, <laughs> I, I understand that. Oh, it's my Vancouver uh, bias. Well, I mean, it, and Markstrom was having a sensational season and then got hurt. And, and unfortunately, he, he just I know, will, but will be penalized because he, of that. So he, just he will fun. be, but just so you know, Jacob Markstrom has faced, what, 300 more shots than Tuka Rask despite being hurt. That's brilliant. Yeah. Thank you. That, 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 is, that is incredible uh, for, uh, for a counterpoint. So, boys, I will. We post this uh, over at Ingle. We post every podcast for, for those folks who listen on iTunes or your favorite podcast provider. You can head over to ingolemag.com and uh, we post the podcast there. And I will add a little poll to the bottom of this week. Okay, we'll good. put each of the people that we have nominated or nominations probably not the word but speculated about and uh we'll see see what our readers think well so i want to go one step further we've each got a different winner so whoever just gets put the, the winners win- down no no i just want to know winner what, take our, all? what no i want to know what the side bet is and uh if we can get back to a state of normalcy do we just fly to vegas and whoever whoever wins gets to have dinner <laughs> oh. from the other two guys at millard's place works for That's, me uh, that, at millard's place awesome. it'll be kentucky fried takeout that was a that was a conversation with a seven year old uh, and and a parent that you guys just had. Woody trying to get a question out and Hutch just jumping, jumping, jumping. Well, it's that the was... only way you can get a word in with Woody. <laughs> it's I true. Do my best. Hey, I'm listen, learning. I am trying to help you out, Hutcher. This is the only way you're getting an invite to Vegas. Oh, thank you. I figured. I figured. When when the city's in lockdown, too. Yeah, well, I have a side bet. If it's not Vasa, I'll shave my head. Oh, well, that's good. Uh, getting a, you're really going out on a limb there. Uh, although, by the looks of it, you do have a, a little COVID mullet going. It's not, some it's kind. not much of a risk. I get mad to shave no. my head all the time. Um, uh, Woody, I not not to take us too far down the garden path in another direction, but I'm a little curious while you're looking at those stats because you mentioned Kerry did so well last year. Where's he line up now? Uh, 3.46 goals saved sort of their goal differential. They call it. So he's in a positive 3.46, which should be gold saved above expected. Puts him 24th in the league, puts him in, in a grouping, um, sort of just below Semyon Varlamov. 
Um, James Reimer is in that neighborhood. Um, just looking at some of the other names. Puts him above Andre Vasilevsky, frankly, by half mm-hmm. a goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and just a hair behind Ben Bishop, who might be another name that finds himself in yeah. this conversation. So that's in terms of goals saved above expected. Um, I'm just taking a quick look here, scrolling over to save percentage above expected or compared to expected and scrolling down. Nothing like looking down lists while doing live radio. To <laughs> and doing play by play of it. See if I can find Carey Price. And he on touches here. the mouse and he clicks on the mouse. The screen is scrolling. The fact he's had to scroll this far. Darren, come on. You gotta, Darren, you've got to put out one of these play-by-plays of your pets or something that we're seeing all over Facebook. I do have my dogs. I recorded them the other day going down to be fed. Um, Are you going to send that along? uh, We have some big news coming up uh, uh, regarding Carey Price that I'm going to save for after the interview. Uh, And uh, we'll bring you that in just a little bit. But some big Ingle magazine with uh, Carrie Price uh, details uh, okay. coming up in just uh, just a little bit. But first, now now we rejoin Woody live in progress. So I, I couldn't actually find him on that one list. Uh, I may have, may have filtered something wrong, but I'll tell you this. You know who leads the NHL in high percentage shots against? In other words, who faces the most tough shots in the National Hockey League this season? That would be Carrie Price, number one, 357 of them. Hmm. Guess who's second on it? Hellebuck? Jacob Markstrom. Connor Hellebuck. Uh. So there you go. Who, so again, who's the top five? Do you have the top five there? Carey Price, Connor Hellebuck, Braden Holtby, who I think, you know, everybody likes to point out he's having, you know, a tougher yeah. season statistically. And I'm not saying his, his adjusted numbers aren't great, but there's the third highest high danger shots or high percentage shots. Number four is Sergei Bobrovsky. Probably not a surprise if you've ever watched the Florida Panthers try and play in their own end. David Riddich is number six, which, hmm. which, uh, Sorry, number five. That might surprise some people. Freddie Anderson, number six. That probably doesn't surprise people. And look, speaking of narratives, Jordan Binnington, number seven. Marc-Andre Fleury, number eight. Sees a lot of rubber. Jacob Markstrom, number nine. And John Gibson, who I think a lot of people feel is underwater and under fire on a nightly basis, actually ranks 10th when it comes to high danger or high percentage shots faced this season. And we can't forget that it's a mathematical model that somebody has created. And... uh and mathematical models are imperfect. I think I believe, based as much on your belief in this, Kevin, as anybody's, that that is the best we have right now. But isn't it interesting that uh, the guys facing the the most high danger shots, with the exception of Hellebuck and Bennington, are fairly far down the list? And that might suggest to me that it's contributing a little too much to this to this metric. Uh, or at least it really reinforces that Hellebuck is having a fantastic season. Well, I think that it can become cumulative. In other words, like if you say, if, if that, if, if, and there are so many different, like the shot types that involve high danger, breakaways, one-timers, broken plays, rebounds, slot line plays, deflection screens, slot area shots. Um, and they, you could filter through all different aspects and see who's seeing the most and having the most success against all those types of things. Um, Hellebuck, you know, the only guy who's above water out of those top five, they're all actually giving up below expected. David Riddich is the only one who's actually saving more than he's expected. And Jordan Bennington saving more than he's expected out of those high danger shots. So, um, it, it's not perfect. No. Um, but it's better than anything else we have. 
like mm-hmm. yeah, in terms in terms of weighting and measuring and seeing like the idea that all shots are created equal or that we can measure all shots based on where it came from on the ice and come up with the same type of formula i mean to me this is this is a lot better and i do think it's, it's cumulative if that sorry if that slot line pass gets through 10 times we've seen it in edmonton how many years where oilers goalies suck and then they go somewhere else and they're great because if that play gets to the back door 10 times in a row or the first nine times chances are you cheat for it on the 10th. So mm-hmm. if you're behind a team like that year after year, like Carey has been in Montreal, um, I think it's harder, Holtby too in, in, in Washington, I think it's harder to sort of trust what's in front of you when it fails as often as it does for more than a year or two at a time. Put a bow on it this way. Easier be above water when it's frozen, and we hope that uh, they're, they're back on the ice uh, soon. We'll take it in a different direction. Uh, head south uh, with the Southpaw discussion. Charlie Lindgren is a goaltender with the Montreal Canadiens uh, organization. Uh, bit his uh, time with the uh, St. Cloud State uh, organization in NCAA and then uh, turned professional. And uh, he's got a great background, a uh, really cool story with his family. And uh, he's uh, right now uh, back home, but uh, ready, chomping at the bit to uh, get back on the ice. And uh, he joined David Hutchison in conversation. The feature interview on In Goal Radio, the podcast. Thanks for doing this. Really appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for having me on. So you're home in, home in Minnesota now? Home in Minnesota, yeah. South Minneapolis. So um, yeah, I've been home for over a month now, which is crazy to think about. Yeah. How, how, do, you, uh, how do you spend your time trying to stay ready? I mean... For all we know, a month from now, you're back on the ice or even sooner, or it could be later. How do you, how do you manage that? Well, you know, you like, as an athlete, you know, you have to stay in shape. Um, I got like a, a stationary bike from about 1950 down in my basement that I, uh, <laughs> I kind of hop on to work on some cardio. And then, uh, you know, I do a good amount of stretching and then, uh, playing tennis. I think tennis is a fun way too to make sure I stay in shape, safe sport, social distancing. And, um very competitive so uh those are kind of a couple of things i like doing then i got some i got some dumbbells only like a five and ten pound which you know it's kind of limited when it's light like that i'm not saying i'm a strong guy but um <laughs> you know so just uh doing some things with that too but yeah you i mean with not knowing what's going on like you just you have to stay in shape and um as an athlete that's uh what the you know everyone expects out of you Montreal's pretty high up on their sports science. I read some interesting articles actually this week all about the program. Are they are they sending you things to to stay ready? Yeah, so the the trainer there, Patty, um, he checks in with me once a week and just kind of you know asks how I'm doing and making sure I'm I'm staying on top of things. So um, he gives me some links to different things, and um, you know they uh, they do a great job over there. And uh, I mean. They, they're staying on top of us and making sure we're um, staying on top of everything. Do you do any, uh, do you do any sort of hand eye work at home or anything like that? Uh, I've been doing some juggling lately. Um, you know, my, the last few years I've worked with Josh Tucker. I'm sure, you know, Josh, or at least oh, I've we heard Josh of him. Well, and, yeah. um, so I've been doing some juggling and then I think tennis too, honestly, is a great way to making sure you're staying on top of your, of your eyes and, um, your hand eye and I think it's a it's a great way so uh, tennis I think helps out a lot okay well we actually 
typically start these just looking back to your your beginnings as a goaltender your beginnings in hockey um i'm curious to know when you you first started playing hockey when you first became a goaltender and and what what is it that made you become a goaltender because your story is a little different quite often the goalie is the younger brother who gets forced in (laughs) by the older brother but i know your situation is a bit reversed so yeah so tell us your origin story so i probably started playing hockey when i was four years old i suppose um and then you know i kind of wanted to be a goalie because my dad was a goalie my dad uh okay he um played at roosevelt high school in minnesota and then he played for the saint paul vulcans and then played uh at the university of michigan so uh i always wanted to be like my dad and uh he wouldn't let me be a goalie till i was age 10 though so uh started out as a forward thought i was a pretty good forward actually but uh age 10 i kind of knew what i wanted to do and uh switched to goalie and you know my first game was a wake-up call it and 13 goals i'll never forget it my parents will never forget it and uh not the way you want to start but still i mean uh, i knew that's what i wanted to do and uh, my dad gave me every every opportunity my mom gave me every opportunity um started off working with um rob stauber at stauber's gold mm-hmm. crease um had some great instructors there i mean seriously when i look back I mean, besides my dad, um, Stauber's goal crease at, you know, when I was really young starting off, I mean, they pushed me and, um, as a 10, 11, 12 year old kid, I mean, that's super important just to make sure you have that competitive edge. And, um, so yeah, uh, started off at Stauber's goal crease. My dad was my first goalie coach as well. So up until I was about 13, I'm, I think my dad was my goalie coach. Um, but yeah, I worked closely with Rob Stauber and then, um, do you and your father ever uh, talk things over even now? Like, do you get a phone call every now and then about a professional game? Yeah, I mean, I um, I still talk to him every single day. So, uh, you know, he'll let me know what he sees during games. And um, still, like, he's the guy I want to listen to just because he knows, he knows my game. He's seen me play so many games. So um, his opinion is very important to me. Um, do you have any advice for goalie parents? Just talk to me about that relationship with your dad and, and how, how's a goalie parent handle it the best way so they can be, be supportive and yeah. help their kid grow in the game? Well, I think what was awesome about my dad is he had that perfect balance of like pushing me really hard, but not being like too much. And I think, you know, now you can see a lot of parents kind of pushing their kids almost a little over the edge. And mm-hmm. my dad was able to find that balance where he pushed me extremely hard, but at the same time, um, I enjoyed what I was doing. I enjoyed playing. I enjoyed learning. And, um, I think that was really important because you don't want to be, um, too hard on your kids, but at the same time, you want to teach them how to work hard for sure. Mm-hmm. And you have to know your kid really well. So, you know, and you have to know, yeah, you got to know how to push, uh, your kids buttons. And, um, he was able to do that. I mean, there were times where, you know, he'd tell me things I wouldn't want to hear, but, um, things that I had to hear. So, um, still, I mean, to this day, to this day, I mean, there's no, um, person more instrumental to my, my career than my dad, for sure. Oh, that's great. Uh, but you have two brothers who play as well. I got two brothers. So my middle brother, um, his name's Andrew. He played at St. John's university division three. And, um, he actually just got, uh, just finished his career, uh, probably a couple months ago now, but, uh, had an unbelievable career. I mean, just, uh, his college career. I mean, you can look at his, his stats. I mean, just really, uh, lit it up and, uh, he's going to go into firefighting here and some real estate. So his next journey, I think, uh, he's very excited for it. And we're, we're very excited for him. And then, uh, my brother Ryan, um, 
New York Rangers defenseman and a pretty darn good one. So a couple of brothers made it very competitive growing up. We had a ton of fun and, um, you know, I think made all three of us uh, better athletes and better people. Yeah. What, what did that competitiveness together bring to your game today? How has that helped? You? Oh, I mean, it's, I mean, talk about another uh, instrumental component. I mean, growing up, we competed on, uh, on everything we did. I mean, video games, um, street hockey, uh, tennis, golf. I mean, everything. I mean, it's, it's just all out. Uh, it's, it's war. I mean, even just playing tennis today with my brother and my dad, I mean, it's just, uh, there's some rackets being thrown, you know, it's, it's really? intense. I mean, that's how it is. I mean, that's why, um, again, that's a big reason why, uh, uh, me and my siblings, I think got, to, got to where we are just cause, um, there was really, if we're playing anything, uh, you had to give it your all or else you're going to get your, your butt, um, uh, butt kick. So it was, uh, it's a fun way, a fun way to grow up and always interesting. That's awesome. Are there, me, being uh, the, me being the oldest too, I had to make sure that uh, none of them ever beat me in anything. So that was just yeah. Uh, there's a little pressure there. A little, isn't there? There's some pressure there. A little extra motivation. So, um, but it was, has, has it taught you anything though about controlling the, those emotions as well? Because that's key to being a goaltender. 100. percent I mean, that's uh, that's very important. So, and that's something I'm still working on every single day is um, being able to control my emotions and. When I'm going out and competing with my my brothers and my dad, I mean that's just um, that's a good way to do it, just because the the stakes are raised and, um, like you said, the pressure's on. So, you know, when you get down a couple points or a couple goals or whatever it may be, um, you got to make sure you stay level headed, or else you're gonna lose it. So, and I've and I've been there, and I've lost it. I've lost it before. I'll admit I've lost it. Um, yeah, you just gotta you gotta make sure you just try to stay as calm as you can. No doubt. His uh, experience is obviously the best teacher in, in many ways. And it sounds like that has been for you anyway. Yep. Uh, but do you work with anybody on the mental side of the game? Um, or do you just work game, on your own in any way? Yeah. I mean, I think for myself, it's a lot of, um, I like reading a lot of books and then, uh, you know, even YouTube videos, just, uh, um, I feel like at this point I know how to control my mind and, um, you know, I think that that mental game, as you know, is, is so critical. So, um, I think I know kind of what makes me tick now and, and, and kind of got a better grasp on, on how to control, control my mind. So, um, yeah, I, I credit that a lot to books and, and videos. So, uh, I know you and I talked offline about that, but, but while we're doing this here, any, uh, any recommendations on books for younger goaltenders to look at? Yeah. Um, I mean, as, uh, I think I told you as a man thinketh is, is still, um, that's my favorite one. And then, um, you know, even I read a book on Julian Edelman for the Patriots, Tony Dungy. Um, you know, I like reading about other people's experiences too, and kind of how they got to where they, they are today. And, um, you know, I just try to take a little bit of everything from, from everyone. Sounds like a guy who was destined to be a university hockey player. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that helped. That helped. You, you, uh, so you left university in your senior year to sign with Montreal. Yep. Um, talk about the hockey side in a second. Have you, have you finished the degree or are you planning to finish it off? I got, geez, I probably got about two or three classes left. So, um, just slowly chipping away at it. And, um, you know, I promised my mom like a good kid, um, would, uh, that, 
you know, I'm going to get her done. So just a matter of time. I might try to do a couple this summer and then, um, you know, maybe next fall or spring, try to finish all up. Promises to mom often uh, yeah. pretty important. Very things, important. Aren't they? Very important. Yeah. <laughs> so back, back to growing up. Um, typically as, as we mentioned, it's the younger brother who gets forced into net by the older brother. Did you sort of force your younger brother to become a forward defenseman? So you'd have somebody to shoot on you. I didn't. Um, and kind of going back to that competitive piece, like, um, my youngest brother, I mean, I wouldn't let him shoot on me until honestly, I was probably comfortable with him shooting. I mean, like at age, probably 19, I did, I was like, he's, I'm not going to skate with him. I do not want him scoring on me. So that's kind of how I was. I did not want him to, I did not want to be on the ice with him. So, um, I never forced him to be a defenseman. He just wanted no part of, in being a goalie. There you go. Yeah. Interesting. When you were growing up, obviously dad, dad's one of your favorite goalies you looked up to, but, uh, any pros you looked up to as a youngster? Um, right away from what I can remember, my first favorite goalie was, um, Nikolai Hobby Bullen actually with, uh, Tampa Bay. Um, nice. and that must've been in the early two thousands. They call him the, you know, they call him the Bullen wall. And, um, I took a liking to him early and then, uh, the other guy I really, really enjoyed was, um, Cam Ward in Carolina. And, um, I think that kind of started with, uh, loved his pads, loved the old icebergs. And, um, obviously, um, his first year there in Carolina, I think it was Oh five, Oh six. I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, I just, uh, really took a liking for him to him and I, I loved his game and, um, just so happens that my first NHL game ended up being against Cam Ward, which is pretty, uh, pretty nuts. Oh, great. So you get a chance to meet him, obviously, at some point. Never did. I've never met him. Never did. I've never met him. So um, he's one guy that I'd for sure, uh, for sure want to meet. But yeah, just uh, really enjoyed his style. I mean, just, um, you know, a guy that uh, would make some acrobatic saves and just uh, a guy that would compete really hard. Bordo, if you're out there listening, Charlie yeah, wants to meet you. Hundred <laughs> percent. Are you uh are you a, a goalie geek? Like, are you into the gear? Are you into the other guys? I'm one guy out there playing. I'm one guy that's that's kind of not. Um, you know, for me, you know, I could probably tell you what every guy in the league league wears, but um, yeah, I've just never. Uh, you know, I, I like my Vaughn icebergs. I've always. Um, those have always kind of stuck with me. I've always liked those, but, um, um, as far as like, um, you know, no one specs and all that, I'm just, I'm not the guy. And you could ask some of my goalie partners. I mean, they pretty dumb when it comes to that stuff, but, uh, I just kind of throw on the pads and go play. There you go. Well, yeah. as long as you got the tool that works, that's all. Exactly. That exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, left, you left St. Cloud to sign with Montreal and you, uh, had your first start in the NHL right out of college. What is that first game like? I mean, I know you got the win, which is awesome. Um, but what's it like walking into that dressing room for the first time? I mean, that's the Montreal dressing room. Yeah, it's, um, gosh, it's crazy. I mean, honestly, it's, uh, well, first off my St. Cloud, I mean, that was tough to leave. I mean, that was, um, had an absolute blast there. Had some, had the privilege of playing on some really good teams there. And then, um, you know, when the NHL calls, you know, uh, comes knocking, you want to go and, and do that. So yeah, Simon Montreal, didn't really know what to expect, but I think there was, 
maybe five or six games left on the schedule and um, figured I was going to play one of them. So just was kind of preparing myself and kind of had an idea of what game I was going to play. But, uh, you know, going into those locker rooms, I mean, pretty, pretty intimidating, uh, you know, meeting guys like obviously Kerry and, um, you know, Max Pacioretty, Andre Markov, all those guys. I mean, um, knowing you're a part of that dressing room, it's uh, as a kid just coming right out of college, fresh out of college, um, pretty nerve wracking, but they did a, a really good job of uh, making me feel at home. So uh, pretty, uh, pretty lucky to have a good group of guys there. What's that experience like just the first day? I mean, does somebody meet you at the airport and take you to the rink or? Yeah. I mean, um, and honestly, like looking back on it, it's all kind of a blur, but uh, yeah, I got picked up. It was my first time ever being in Montreal and um, you see the French and all that stuff. And it's like, holy cow, I'm here. Um, yeah. Another big change. Yeah. Which it's pretty crazy. One of my best friends, uh, a little off talk- topic, but um, we did two years of French in high school, just in case we were to go play in, in Montreal. So, you know, I, I knew it. some of the, some of the basic words, not too many, but uh um, yeah, I got picked up and then went to the, to the rink and kind of met all the guys. And, uh, Mike Conan was, was my goalie partner cause Pricer was hurt. And, um, you know, he did, he was also, I mean, uh, unbelievable guy. I don't know if you know Kondo at all, but, um, yep. yeah, really, he's been great with us. really amazing guy. And, um, he helped me all the time, but, uh, yeah, then he kind of just go meet all the guys and we were actually going to find a Tampa, I think that day. So. Um, yeah, I mean, you get on a plane with all those guys and then, um, you know, it's just like anywhere else. You just got to fit in and, and, um, you know, be a good teammate. And what's the, uh, what's the first game like? What's that jump from NCAA to NHL? That's a, yeah. that's a big jump. Yeah, it's a big jump for sure. Um, and I had just watched, you know, playing in Carolina, obviously playing against Cam and then, um, I had just watched that NC State um, doc, ESPN 30 for 30. I don't know if you've seen that one, but um, mm-hmm. kind of cool playing that arena. But, um, yeah, I found out I was going to play, and then obviously my phone just blows up. Um, got everyone saying good luck and all that stuff, which is awesome. But uh, I just shut my phone off that day and just had to focus on the game. I, I just kind of went into it as um, preparing like it's any other game, which is not easy to do. but. Um, yeah, obviously, um, was extremely nervous, but again, the guys did a great job of, um, helped me out. And, um, you know, I remember I was, uh, most nervous on the blue line standing for the national anthem. I was kind of like, you know, I was like shaking, but then, you know, once the puck drops, then it's, you know, go out and play and just do what you've been doing your whole life. And I don't know if you know, but first shot went in. So not I the, didn't know that. Not, well, not I'll get the, it over with. Not the way you want to start, but, um, you know what? After well, you that. just don't have to worry about the shutout after that. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's a good way to think about it. But um, yeah, and then you know, once that happens, I you know, everyone kind of asks like, "Holy cow, you'd have been so nervous after that." But we really um, just kind of forgot about it and just um, you know, settled in and end up. Uh, I think the score was four two. Um, getting that first win. I mean, I'm telling you, there was there's no better feeling than that, and I still to this day say it was the best night of my life. So, um, it was just really, really amazing to, um, and it gave me the confidence to know, Hey, you can do this. You can play at this level. So really, I mean, really incredible for sure. 
you uh how, how fast before you're on the phone to mom and dad after that game they were at the game so oh, perfect yeah they came down and then uh dave rigalski who was my goalie coach another guy that right. um you know give a ton of credit to but uh yeah it was um you know seeing my parents after the game i mean that uh that meant everything to me so that you know and again that's all the hard work paying off right there so um to be able to share it with them was was awesome what's uh what's what's different on the ice from from ncaa to pro uh a lot of people have told us in the past that sometimes those jumps are almost easier because the game's a little bit more predictable but uh what was your experience the structure in the nhl is just incredible i mean there's really um not a ton of breakdowns everyone's in really good position um but players are so smart they can shoot the puck faster and harder and better passers so you know it's definitely uh it's a good jump i mean uh, for me, playing the NCHC in college was, I mean, that's a, that's a high level right there. Played against some good players, but, um, man, it's NHL. It's the best league in the world. Um, mm-hmm. So it was a good size jump there. But, uh, you know, and especially, you know, I remember being in practice and, you know, I was getting torn up pretty good. I mean, they're, guys can shoot the puck. I mean, Matt, you've seen Max Patrick shoot the puck. I mean, he can, he gets it off in a, in a heartbeat. So, um, and the warm, you know, my, pregame warm-up that day um wasn't very good to be quite honest with you but again i read a book on um marty broder uh i forgot what the book was called i think it was more of an autobiography but uh, i think it's his brother i don't know if he has a brother you know maybe his dad was saying his dad was a photographer for the Habs. yeah i remember that um but someone in the book said he got lit up broder did his first nhl game and warm-ups and then went out and i think he played a good game so Again, it's um, getting lit up and warm us the, the um, you know, before my first NHL game wasn't, uh, didn't even, didn't even matter to me. So, you know, I've been playing the game so long. I knew, um, I knew how to play and I had that confidence. So, um, you know, went out and played a pretty good game. So you mentioned your pregame warm up. Maybe we could just sort of start there and give guys an experience for what this is like for you. So not, not your first game specifically, but, but today. What's uh what's game day look like for you? And actually, even before that, I'm curious to know, uh, do you have any preferences for when you find out when you're playing? And is th- is that what Montreal's doing with you? I like finding out the the day before for sure. Um, that's just my preference. I know, you know, everyone's different, but uh, you know, I like being able to find out that I'm playing and um kind of get into my routine from there. But uh you know, I make sure obviously the night before I get a really good night's sleep, um, go to bed early and, and then, you know, get up at a decent time, get up pretty early, um, get to the rank for pregame skate. And then, um, yeah, I go back and I, uh, you know, have the pasta, chicken, veggies mm-hmm. for my, you know, pretty standard pregame meal. I know people are starting standard to get away from that. Meal, yeah. yeah. Everyone's there's, you know, people getting away from that a little bit now, but, uh, that's still what I have. And then, uh, you know, I usually lay down for two hours, try to get a two hour nap in me. And then, um, yeah, from there, hop in the shower and then, uh, head to the rink. It's about a 20 minute drive for me. I try to get there two and a half hours early and then, um, dial it in. I mean, tape my sticks and, um, hop on the foam roll, um, get a couple heat pads. I like doing that. I've been doing that for years. Um, lay on oh, yeah? that. Where do you use those? What's that? Where do you use the heat pads? Uh, so I lay down and kind of like the butterfly um, on my back, though. And then I just have my um, 
kind of stretch of my groin. So I put it on my lower back, I lay on it, and then I put it on, uh, put it on my groins too. So I got two packs and, um, I do that. And then, uh, we usually have our, our pregame meetings with the coaches. And then, uh, I go and usually play a little bit of two touch, um, little sewer ball. And then, um, yeah, I get into my, my dynamic warm up, which I've been doing. Uh, I've been doing the same one since I was about first year junior. So since I was 17, pretty much just, uh, you know, I like to jog to loosen up and then, um, you know, kind of get the, the heart rate going a bit and then, you know, making sure I'm, I'm feeling limber and feeling loose. I get into some pretty good stretches and then, yeah. And then from there, it's just, uh, put on the gear and get ready to play. Get her going. Yeah. Get her going. Exactly. So, <laughs> um, and for me, like I'm not, uh, I wouldn't say I'm too superstitious at all, but, um, you know, I definitely have my, my routines and, you know, things that I feel comfortable with. Do you get a chance when you're on the ice in, in this first few years of your career to really appreciate what's happened to you here? Really appreciate how far you've come and look around and enjoy it. You know what? I've been, um, I, I know I'll be the first one to tell you. I mean, I've been very fortunate, um, played on some good teams. Like I've said, I played with some unbelievable people and, um, to think that I'm in the national hockey league is, um, you know, it's something that I feel extremely, uh, blessed and, um, extremely lucky. I mean, it's, it's something that a lot of people work so hard, um, to get there and to think that, um, you know, I still have a ways to go. There's no question, but, uh, to think that I've, you know, made it to the NHL. I mean, it's, it's something that I feel extremely, uh, uh, you know, extremely proud of. So during the game, do you have any cues when you're on the ice? Is there anything you're focusing on, whether it's the team you're playing or whether it's just your own game, you try and sort of keep your focus with? Well, I like, um, when it comes to the team I'm playing, you know, I like, uh, I like knowing who's out there. I like knowing, um, you know, different players' strengths and weaknesses. And, you know, I like, you know, before I play, I like going down the stat sheet and kind of seeing where um, the opposing team, some of their leaders and points and, you know, kind of who the dangerous guys are. Um, You know, I wouldn't say I go over their video or anything like that. I just just kind of like knowing who's on the ice and, and kind of what their, like I said, what their strengths are. But, um, does, does Steph help with, help you with that pregame with me and Pricer, um, he'll talk to us after the pregame meetings with the coaches. He'll, um, give us a couple tips, uh, just on the opponent, but nothing too specific, but yeah, I, you know, I, like I said, I, I like going down the statue and seeing where guys are with points and, and kind of seeing what lines they are playing on, which is up on the, on the board before the game. But, um, then when I get out there, like, for me, I know a lot of people say the same thing. I, you know, I don't like to think that much. Um, I, I just like to go out and play and, and, um, you know, my, my biggest strength is, is just my compete for sure. And just, um, you know, never giving up on pucks and, um, you know, I, I don't like, uh, yeah, I, I don't like really thinking that much when I play just, um, just going to going out and playing organic and, and playing like I know how to play. So that, that pregame or the, the pre-scout that you're doing for yourself is really just something yeah, that's in yeah. the back I mean, of your just, mind, tilt the odds. Um, you know, going, like I said, like playing the Capitals, all right. So, you you know, Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, Osh, you know, just knowing the guys that are out there, um, you know, and then 
yeah, when when the game's going on, like I keep an eye on you know who's who's out there on the ice and and uh, lefty righty, what are they gonna do? What's their what's their strength? Like uh, Ovechkin shooter, Kuznetsov passer, um, it's just stuff like that. So during the game, lots of uh, TV timeouts in the NHLs. How do you like to spend those? Do you skate back to the bench and talk with Pricer? You stay on your own? I stay. I stay on my own. Um, and it's funny because when I watch, uh, you know, um, a lot of goalies are going to the bench. I'm, I'm one of the few goalies I, I think that, uh, you know, I stay on on my end of the ice and you know I do a little skate from corner to corner. Um, again, it's not like I'm thinking about anything. I'm just, it's just uh, routine and. Mm-hmm. Um, I would try to dodge the people shoveling the, uh, the snow and, um, yeah. you know, just, yeah, keep moving. And, you know, I think there was, and why I don't go to the bench. Um, I think there was a game years ago where I went to the bench and it was maybe got, I think it got ugly from, from there and didn't have a good game. So, um, skating corner to corner, that's always kind of been my, been my go-to thing. So, um, yeah, just, uh, you know, I, I don't think about anything. I'll watch the jumbotron or um, just kind of relax. Is uh, is Kerry the same? Does he stay on his own, or does he come and chat with you? No, he comes to the bench. So then, um, you know, we'll we'll chat a little bit. Um, and again, you know, Kerry, I mean, pretty uh, uh, relaxed guy. And um, mm-hmm. but yeah, we'll just uh, say a few words, and and then he uh, goes back to his net. Are those game focused, like? Anything particular or just just trying to keep each other relaxed? No, I mean, it's, you know, it can be game-focused. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's mostly about the game, I think, is, is what we chat about. Um, you know, I, I don't think we talk about really anything else, just kind of about what's uh, what's going on or maybe I'll talk about what I'm seeing or, you know, he'll say what – he'll tell me what he's seeing too. So a um, little mm-hmm. back and forth, not much. And then, um, yeah, he goes to that. What's that relationship like uh- – off the ice, do you, is he is he sort of a mentor with all the experience he has? Is he a quiet leader? I mean, I know he's a quiet guy, but uh, yeah, what's um, it like? He's amazing, honestly. Uh, he's been unbelievable to me. Um, in every practice, I mean, we, me and him and Steph Wake get out there 15 minutes prior, and um, being able to watch him, uh, it's just uh, I'm extremely lucky. Um, like you said, he's kind of a quiet leader, but, uh, you know, we have a really good relationship. So, um, you know, he, he definitely helps me out and, you know, uh, what he sees, he'll, he'll tell me. So, um, very fortunate to have a, uh, have a partner like Pricer. Yeah, not a bad guy. Yeah. Not that. a bad guy. So he's yeah. he, and you know, watching him before practice and watching him in practice so he competes and, just how smart he is. I mean, his hockey IQ is, is just really incredible. And, um, you know, he, yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, it's awesome being around him. He's, uh, he's coming on in two weeks to do a little Q and a with all our members, which is, is he? pretty cool. for everybody. He, yeah. yeah. I mean, I honestly, I can't, uh, can't say enough about enough good things about him. Just, uh, a really, really amazing guy. So he's, um, he's been awesome to me for sure. Any one thing you try and take from his game and add to yours? It's just like the his calmness, his presence. It's just um, it's really amazing. Just watching him work. Um, he's very competitive. I mean, uh, he doesn't let many goals in practice. Um, his high, like I said, his IQ is 
is really um, it's the highest I've ever seen. Um, the way he moves, quiet movements. I try to honestly, I try to take everything. Um, you know, I try to learn a lot from him, which I do. So um, he comes to the rink and he's extremely prepared. He knows what he wants to get done, and um, just uh, and obviously, it, you know, he's one of the best in the world. So um, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't hurt being around him. That's for sure. Definitely not. Uh, hockey IQ is something people mention all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, how would you describe what that is to somebody? And, and what is it that somebody with a high IQ as a goaltender, how do they display that for you? It's, it's knowing where the puck's going, being, uh, you know, being ahead of the shooter. Um, you know, he's just, uh, he knows where the puck's going before it gets there. So that's what I would describe hockey IQ as. And, you know, he knows where the players are on the ice. Um, he's just got those, he's got great instincts and great hockey instincts. So, um, you know, when you have really great hockey instincts, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna help you out a lot. It sounds like the, uh, the Gretzky of goaltending, right? Exactly. Where the puck is before anybody else. Yeah, exactly. So, and he's, you know, there's no question he has that. So I've seen him do some, some pretty incredible things. What's your development program look like in season? Do you uh, are you just trying to become a better goalie in general? Do you and and Marco and Steph over the last few years? Do you have a plan for this season? Here's something I'm trying to work on. It's kind of like uh, you mentioned. It's it's more general. Just um, trying to get as good as I can be, and that's um, it starts in practice. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm a guy that shows up early. Um, you know, make sure I'm stretched stretched out um doing all the things off the ice that i have to do and then um when it comes to comes to practice i mean marco will tell you um compete on every puck don't give up on a you know any puck at all i mean every single puck is yours um and that's kind of what he's instilled in my brain and um you know it makes it more fun for the players too that your you know your teammates when they have a goalie that uh, is competing really hard on every single puck, I mean, they'll go out and tell you, I mean, it's, it makes them way better too. So it just helps the team out. And, uh, but yeah, my, uh, my focus is, is getting, getting a little bit better at everything that I can, you know, that I can. And that's, uh, you know, every single practice, that's my mindset. So compete, you would obviously listen list as one of your, your top sort of traits. Um, what, what else makes you a good goaltender? Uh, I mean, I'd say I'm, you know, I, I can move pretty well. Um, I'd say I got uh, a good amount of tools in the toolbox. I'm not, uh, I wouldn't say I'm too robotic. I think I can throw a couple, uh, different things at shooters, you know, some things that they're maybe not expecting. Yeah. Pretty quick. Um, you know, good glove, things like that. I mean, that's, um, you know, as when, you know, now I'm 26, I mean, there's just, uh, you gotta be, uh, at this level, pretty good at everything, I think. But, uh, you know, still my, like you said, my, um, my groundwork, my foundation starts with, um, hard work and, and my competitive nature for sure. Started in the driveway with your brothers. Exactly. That's yeah. And that's, you know, and again, like you watch my dad play tennis. I mean, competitor and we watch you know we watch what me and my brothers we watch what he did we want you know we wanted to be him so um it's a lot you know a lot of my competitive nature comes from my family that's great 
Sounds like a good place to to pretty much wrap things up. One one question here. Uh looking back, whether you're talking to young Charlie or you're talking to to young Matthew or some other young goaltender, uh any any piece of advice looking back, what would you do differently or what do you think they should be doing as they're moving up? Honestly, the one thing I would say is um just enjoy the enjoy the ride. Um, you know, cause it does, you know, it, it goes, when I look at my career, I mean, it goes by so fast. I mean, every season, this season went by and, um, in a blink of an eye, I mean, it just, uh, enjoy the ride and just work as hard as you can. Cause you know, my, my whole goal is at the end of my career, I want to say that I have no regrets and no regrets comes from, you know, comes from every single day, you know, giving it all. And that's, um, um, that's one thing that I, you know, I like telling younger players is enjoy it and work as hard as you can. I think it's, it's as simple as that. Perfect way to wrap it up, Charlie. Yeah, there you Thank go. you very much. Really appreciate you taking the time for us. hundred percent. Thanks a lot. I, it just feels like he was meant to be uh, part of the Montreal Canadiens. So from the St. Cloud State uh, crest and the logo uh, to uh, Hutch, did you know that he took French in high school just in case? That well, you, was that one that you just you, you stumbled on or that you kind of knew and let him down? No, no, that was total stumble on in the middle of the interview. I had no idea. Very uh, cool. Love that moment. And, uh, and that's why I think, you know, even though he's been pro for a few years now, I still sort of went down that line of what's it like to just arrive there in the room for the first time to meet the team for the first time. What are you doing when you're on the ice and the TV timeouts? It just felt like an opportunity to talk. I mean, he, he's so open and relaxed and comfortable that it just felt like an opportunity to go somewhere that we don't go with, with some other guys. And, and I was that kid. Uh, I don't, don't know about you guys, but when I was at an NHL game as a youngster and I'm talking sort of eight, nine years old, the play would be down at the other end and I'm staring at the goaltender in my end just to sort of see what his routine is and what he's up to and how's he stand and what's he looking at. I was fascinated by everything. And, uh, and maybe that's why I was asking some of those questions too, because I wonder what they talk about uh, on the ice. I wonder why he does something. And, and uh, Kevin, we, um, we talked offline with, uh, with Charlie about uh, Nikolai Habibulin um, being his favorite goaltender growing up. And I mentioned to him, that we had observed this routine he has for the TV timeouts and that it may have involved a couple of snot rockets. And Charlie thought that was kind of funny. Um, <laughs> promised to send him what we learned about it. And we and and I'm glad to hear that that you found the article and and I'm gonna take that and send it on to him today. Yeah, no, it's it was crazy. I remember, and actually, you know, the the sad part was because this was a different era. I'm looking at the date. I wrote this story in 2011 as part of an Ask a Pro where we had uh listener questions submitted to Nikolai Habibulin and sat down with Nick and he walked us through some of these questions and you actually had one of the first ones was this was a routine you noticed I can't believe back in that era we didn't use video as much so I never recorded this I took a picture um, of it I remember and it, but and and it would actually yeah but it would actually like nobody would have ever seen this on television so you can't go find footage of Nick playing and see this because it was during TV timeouts and dude it was like put the stick on top of the net and took a drink of water Sometimes he went to the bench. Sometimes he stayed at the net. What, I asked him about why he would go to the bench. And when he went to the bench, it would be to get a drink. Like he would drink the water on the net as part of the routine and then go to the bench to get another drink. And he told us that that was because when the one on the net is just water 
and the one on the bench has Pedialyte in it. So right. if he got to the TV timeout and felt dehydrated, he would he would do his routine where he took the drink of water at the net, but then he would also go to the bench and get the Pedialyte. And it didn't matter whether he took that extra time to go to the bench and get the Pedialyte or not. The routine following the return to the crease was the same every freaking time. And basically, he would skate. So from out of his net, he would skate to the right boards with his back to the net, turn around, and go all the way across to the left boards. So goal line, board to board on the goal line, back to the net. Three times he would do that. So he, after his third time, he would then skate to the right face-off circle and do a quick cut back toward his net just below the face-off dot. So he's sort of facing the net and facing the crowd with his sort of back to the face-off dot. He'd fuss with his mask using his blocker hand. He'd blow out those snot rockets on both sides that you talked about, Hutch. Then as he lowered the mask, he'd always check his eye alignment. Um, and then he'd skate back into the net and he'd stick the end of his stick into the pocket of his glove and push it out. Then he would adjust his glove strap. Eh, maybe that doesn't sound that intricate, but if you watched it, it was the exact same thing every time. And I remember watching a couple times because I started to pay attention to it after Hutch directed me on this. And he's, he would go to the bench, get the Pedialyte, come back, do this routine. And I swear to God, they would be lining up for the face-off and he would still be in the face-off circle, finishing the routine, facing the boards. And I'd be like, is he going to change the routine because they're going to drop the puck? Never once. Just stuck with the routine. Never blinked. They're not dropping the puck till he's ready. And he really trusted. And it was funny talking to him. He's like, uh, I don't really pay attention to it or think about it. It's just something that I do every time. I like to move the legs a little bit instead of just standing in the crease. Um, I asked him if it was the same every time and he's like, probably, but it's not that big a deal. Uh, so it's, it, it's, I mean, it's fascinating cause it was the same every time we watched it enough that we documented and it was like, it just never changes. No visualization. He doesn't look at the crowd when it looks like he's looking at the crowd. Um, and when he's fiddling with this mask, he says he's actually just trying to get the water off his headband and tap the glove and wait for the people to finish with the ice cleaning and go back in. Uh, he liked the pocket to be pushed out because it feels like it closes better and the puck will stay in maybe. Sometimes it gets pushed in, the puck bounces out. So those were just things that became little habits that developed into this huge routine that was like every single time. It was pretty, once you picked up on it, it was hard to look away and it was fun to sort of watch when it would finish and whether they, whether they were waiting on him or he was waiting on them to drop the puck. That is some gold out of the in goal vault right there. <laughs> 2011. Ties right back in to the, uh, the feature interview. Love it. That is just fascinating stuff. And uh, speaking of uh, uh, Carey Price uh, partners, uh, because uh, Price was part of that conversation and, and the topic of uh, conversation with uh with Hutch and uh, Charlie Lindgren. Uh, Hutch, we've got some uh, big news about uh, Carey Price and Ingle Magazine. We sure do. Uh, you know, we've had a couple of really successful webinars now, and I was thinking about Habi Bulin there. Maybe he wasn't visualizing, but that was for sure a mental technique he was going through. And we had a fantastic uh, webinar last weekend with Pete Fry, the goalie mindset guy. 
90 plus people at one time online doing a training session with Pete that will be going up today over at Ingle Mag. And, um, and we're, we're enjoying them so much. The interaction with people, the emails and texts we get afterwards as well, that we've got another couple, um, on the schedule. One we're, we're going to hold back, uh, coming up this weekend. We haven't put a bow on it quite yet, but, uh, the one that we are well prepared for is one with, uh, none other than Carrie Price on May the 3rd at one o'clock. The third at one o'clock, a little bit of 31 going on there. We had to fit that in like that because it was fun. <laughs> we are going to co-host this with Eli Wilson goaltending. Um, everybody knows that Woody and I have had the opportunity because of Eli to spend a day with Carrie each summer. And uh, and Eli spends time working with Carrie in the summer and towards the end of the summer uh, in Tri-City as well. So um, Eli and some of his students, as well as uh, Ingol and our members, will have the opportunity to be part of this webinar with Carrie bit of a live Q&A. We might be able to do a bit of a, a podcast around that with some questions from our, our viewers, our, our members. And, uh, and we're also talking about maybe even doing a bit of a live pro read as well. If we can get a couple of drills or a couple of uh, saves, see if Kerry could walk through them live as opposed to Love the, the ones we're producing. So uh, that'll be very limited uh, in terms of the number of people that are, that are able to do it, but we'll get the, uh, the signups going out to our our members, um, I would say by the end of this week. Well, and I'd say it's, I mean, it's going to be limited because it's carry price and the demand is going to be high, but we're actually investing in in increasing our infrastructure on this and, and broadening the amount of people that are going to be a part of this. So if you are an Ingle Premium member, make sure you keep an eye out on your email uh, over the next couple of weeks. We will send out a registration email to everyone who's a part of Ingle Premium, giving them the heads up that they'll have the opportunity to pre-register and get on board. Uh, for one of what we anticipate will be probably probably jack it up and do a little investing here to to, to as many as 500 spots for to to make sure we expand this and give as much an opportunity as everyone to be a part of this um, really involve this in gold premium community in uh, this opportunity because not every day you get to be on a live webinar with Carrie Price. No, uh, no I should also mention not all 500 people get a chance to ask a question. It's not going to be a seven-hour. No, because let's be honest, I'll probably ask all the questions. Yeah, you'll ask the first three, and that'll be fine. Then we're done. Yeah, exactly. yeah. That's 45 minutes right there. Right. Uh, looking forward to it, and uh, keep an eye in your inbox uh, for uh, the uh, details of uh, what uh, is on tap, uh, potentially this weekend, uh, as soon as uh, everything comes together uh, on InGoal Magazine and uh, the InGoal Premium members, InGoal Radio, the podcast, uh, keeping you up to date on that. And uh, the pro reads have been uh, amazing. Uh, and the latest one was the Carter Hart uh, Pro Read. That was outstanding. Loved it. Uh, just so many takeaways on on, on that, uh, uh, Woody Hutch. Well, we got about nine more with him, too. I mean, that's been the beauty. Um, I shouldn't say beauty, but if you look for silver linings in this for us, uh, obviously at this time of year, normally guys preparing for playoffs, very little practice time. You know, they come through town here in Vancouver and their off days are their off days and you don't want to disturb that. They're not practicing. They're not on the ice. You're not getting an opportunity to pull video and sit down with them. Um, this has given us an opportunity with a, a number of guys um, to do video over Zoom channels and get these pro reads banked. We've got a bunch more with Jake Allen coming, some great ones with Cal Peterson, uh, more great ones with with uh, Carter Hart along the lines of what you saw with that first one. And I've got a few more guys lined up as well here over the past little while that have agreed to do it. So you can keep an eye out for Mackenzie Blackwood, Alexander Georgiev, uh, Ryan Miller, 
Um, these are all guys, uh, Aaron Dell's talked about it too. These are all guys who have kind of indicated that they'd be willing to be a part of the pro read uh, process with us. And so, and I'm hopping on, I'm yeah. hopping on with, uh, Joe Bernier on Thursday and, uh, Charlie Lindgren again next week as well. So yeah. So as much as it, well. as much as it sucks, these guys can't be on the ice and we can't get to watch them play games. Um, they've been so gracious with their time to, to, to do these pro reads with us and, we're going to turn them out as fast as we can. We had a couple last week. Instead of one a week, we went to two. Um, there's a lot of production that goes into it, but we're doing our best to to sort of pump them out for our premium subscribers because I know they have extra time on their hands. Hutch is grinding like crazy to to get these done and do all the, the behind-the-scenes work. That I mean, it's a lot of work to get it from a Zoom call to an actual pro read to mix the video and the audio and everything, and he's been doing a great job. So we're doing our best to, to keep up with it, and we got some great names coming up for our Ingle Premium readers. So if you're not one already, make sure you go check out the site and see some of the offerings that we have on tap. Awesome stuff. Uh, time of pause to a period of growth for Ingle Magazine, Ingle Radio, the podcast. Uh, looking forward to that, and uh, as well as, uh, again, that Carey Price uh, webinar that's coming up uh, in just a little bit uh, as we navigate uh, this uh, period that uh, that we're kind of making up as we go along, but uh, we're enjoying this part of the ride on Ingle Radio. For David Hutchison, uh, Kevin Woodley, and thanks to Charlie Lindgren, I'm Darren Millard. Uh, thanks for listening to Ingle Radio, the podcast, and we'll chat with you soon. 